let's talk about slackbuilds.org. What it is, where it is, and how to use it. So Slackware has a rather traditional view of what a distribution is. Slackware ships a virtual disk image now. It used to be a, a real disk, actual DVD. Now it's a virtual disk image that is provided to us on the internet and it contains the operating system and a bunch of packages, which of course over the past year or more I've been going through each individual package on this on the show. All of those packages ship on the disk or image of Slackware. And for 15.0, that's that's a big chunk of, of software, including KDE Plasma Desktop, KDE Apps, lots of sort of the usual Unix-style commands, XFCE, and other applications that, that Pat or the other team members, I guess, find either useful or, or think someone else will. And as I've said on this very show, that's, it's much appreciated. You know, you, you get this sort of very full install of an operating system, and there's quite a lot on there. And lately, as I've said, I haven't even really necessarily felt an urgent need to get a bunch of other stuff on there. I mean, there are some exceptions. I, I need Audacity on on my computer because I do a podcast every week. I need some uh, multimedia codecs so that I can then export my podcast into different formats and so on. But generally speaking, there there there's just so much so much software there that as long as you're not necessarily looking for maybe a specific application, but just an application to fulfill a need, then quite possibly the thing that you download from Slackware.com is quite likely to to contain that. And that's what I've certainly found as of you know 15.0 when I when I updated to 15.0 on my on my main computer I just found out that everything that I was doing was already provided for I could play music through Elisa the um, music playing application I could watch videos with a dragon player I could edit text with Emacs I, I could do well I could browse the internet with um, what's it called Falcon I think it's it looks like I think it's forked or something from Cupzilla but it, I think it's got a fancy new name. Yeah, Falcon. So th- there's just all these things that you can do already because you installed the operating system. And that's kind of, like I say, kind of a traditional view of a Linux distribution. I think the a, a newer way to do things, partly just to save bandwidth, I think, and also just recognizing that people have different applications that they want to use, is to ship a fairly minimal install with the operating system and a couple of token applications and then you just let the user decide what they're going to add to it from some kind of repository. Slackware has a repository which is the disk you downloaded and installed onto your computer. So with Slackware you are essentially you're you're, you're downloading the operating system and its repository of software and you're installing the whole thing onto your computer. Now, during the install process, you may have noticed, there are options to not install all of the software. So if you know that you're going to use nothing but XFCE, and you decide that KDE is redundant to what your to requirements, then you could, ju- you could exclude all of the KDE applications by excluding that package set. And then you'd end up with a Slackware install that, that, that had just the XFCE desktop environment and a lot of XFCE or GTK specifically applications. And that would probably be fine too. And and maybe that wouldn't be as robust as the KDE version. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't done that myself, but maybe it wouldn't be. But then you would just want to you would you would look elsewhere for the packages that you need, the software that you that you want on XFCE that you don't have, because for whatever reason maybe it wasn't included. Or again, maybe it would be included. I'm I'm being hypothetical here. Like I say, I usually just install everything and and sort it out later. But you could choose not to do that, and that's perfectly perfectly acceptable or mostly acceptable. I guess it's mostly acceptable. It's really recommended to install the whole thing, and the reason why it's expected to do that or it's advisable to do that is partly what I'm about to talk about now, which is slackbuilds.org. Slackbuilds.org is a website where people like you and me can write little install scripts for software that 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 you use and then you just post the install script to slackbuilds.org so that 
other users can use your same script to build the same application, but on their system. It's a really, really beautiful system. And I think it's, it's one of the, it is, it is one of the correct ways, the most Unix way to distribute software. That, that, that is the, I think it's the correct way to, to distribute a recipe rather than an image. And, and that's what I've been saying for years about distributions too. I don't really see the point of Linux distributions in, in a way, I, or at least not the uh, remixes of distributions. You know, you see the, the, the latest cool Linux distro, but, but the multimedia edition or the gamer edition or the pen testing edition. And, and they ship entire images, which to me always seemed puzzling because it just, it seems like if you're producing a variant of something that exists in a Unix world, then in theory, you should only have to distribute the steps that it takes to produce that variant and let automation take care of the rest. Whether that automation is a bash script or an ansible script or a playbook, whatever they, whatever, whatever automation system you choose, there shouldn't, you, there, you shouldn't have to copy all of the bits across the internet and reinstall your OS just to get this one variant system. And that's, I think, you know, in a way is what Slack builds org has realized and and made a reality is that you can create a variant of slackware in in a sense simply by running a bunch of scripts so keep the idea of automation in mind because but but before we get into the fancy automation stuff i mean there's automation because they're they're build scripts but you could automate the automation but we're not going to do that yet first we're going to do the obligatory initial sort of build-it-yourself example so that you get an idea of what really is happening behind Slack builds because it's it's very, very different than uh, repositories for other distributions. Or at least I should say it's it's different in the sense that the work is distributed to different areas because, I mean, really it is the same as a repository for another distribution. Someone has written a script, maybe it's a spec file, or whatever the Debian calls their little scripts to, to do the Debian file. I forget what the term is, but maybe it's a spec file. Maybe it's a Slack build uh, script. Either way, someone is writing that recipe. Now with Slack builds, everything after that is pretty much left up to you. Whereas on other distributions, everything up to installing it is taken care of by someone else. The reason that is significant is because with a Slack build, you, you have a lot of, there, there's a lot of flexibility in what you do with that recipe. All you have is the recipe. So you can down, the, the repository itself takes a relatively, it has a relatively small footprint. 8,000, over 8,000 packages in Slack builds is about 282 megabytes by my last count. While the entire repository, or, or at least a repository full, full of 8,000 packages somewhere else would be gigabytes and gigabytes. So that's a nice little bonus. But because you have the recipe, you can modify the recipe before you run it in ways that you can't really do with a binary package. With binary packages, there's your, your option usually is, well, you take what you can get, or you don't use the binary package. You go to the source of the binary package, and you rebuild a new binary package for yourself, which is perfectly, I mean, that's a that's a fine way to manage a repository as well, but Slack build doesn't do that. It just doesn't offer the binary packages in the first place. It offers just the recipe. Slackbuilds.org, as the name implies, is a website. It has a web interface. You can go there. You can look around. I don't think that most Slack builds users actually use the website all that much. It's more of a reference point and just kind of a home for the, for the repository. I think generally the the usual workflow is you go to slackbuilds.org maybe once to download the recipes, the whole the whole lot of them to your local computer and then you just live off of your local computer. I mean that's that's certainly my impression of how people use it. It's certainly how I use it, but I I I would bet that most people use it that way. Just 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 so that you understand how it all works though. We're going to use the website first. And then we'll, we'll branch out and do more complex models 
with just just the recipes. So I'm going to go to the slackbuilds.org and front and center there's a slack build search. So I'll search for something. How about FDKAAC? FDKAAC, there's only one result. Comes up as, by default, you're searching the 15.0 repository. So there's one result. Comes up with a little readme file. Says FDKAAC is a command line encoder front end for libfdkaac, also available from SBO, to convert a sound file to AAC. This is one of the commands that I use to convert audio for this podcast. This script is maintained by Clatu. That's that's me. That's the same Clatu. Uh, I I maintain about 63 scripts on slackbuilds.org by my last count. Um, and I do have a fairly recent account because I had to update them all for 15.0, which is what I've been doing for the past month. So it, it says that it's maintained by Clatu, and it requires, it has a requirement of libfdka-aac. That's important because Slack Builds doesn't resolve dependencies for you, just like Slackware doesn't resolve dependencies for you. So it requires libfdka-aac. So before processing fdkaac you would then you you would first need to i'm going to right click on it and open it in a new tab i'd visit libfdk-aac this one is maintained by christoph willing and it doesn't look like there are any requirements listed so this is just a library that you need to have on your system before you can compile the fdk dash no fdkaac application okay so I guess we'll start with libfdk-aac then. Under the readme file, uh, there's a little, there, there are some links. One, it goes to the homepage of the application that you're looking at, or in this case, the library. Another links directly to the source code. So if you don't want to have to go to the homepage and poke around, which you, you generally don't, you can just grab the source code itself. And then there's download the Slack build. Well, that's that's the recipe. That's the bundle of, of information that you need in order to, to run this recipe. So in other words, for each Slack build, there are two downloads that are essential. One, well, there are at least two downloads that are essential. One is the source code. And sometimes in very complex scripts, that might be more than one package. Uh, in fact, I can think of one right now called ICC, ICC profile ICC underscore profiles. For that, oh, I'm, I'm lying. That that actually apparently only has one download required. Here's here's the one I was thinking of. ICC underscore profiles underscore from underscore ECI. From, this is another one of my packages. That's why I knew that it required more than one source download. There's uh, ECI RGBV20. There's ECI CMYK device link profiles. ECI CMYK zip. So that's three links to source codes that you need to download onto your system and then you need in addition to that you need the slack build itself so broadly two kinds of downloads you need source code or source codes and then the slack build so when you download those two things let's assume that you download them to tilde slash downloads first thing that you'll do is you'll untar the slack build uh, package and in this case that's going to be lib, what is it, libfdk-aac. So I unarchive that, and I move into that directory, and I see that I have about one, two, three, four, four files. Sometimes there are more, but these are the, this is the standard set. There is the program name .info. So in that case, in this case, that's libfdk-aac.info. There's program name.slackbuild. So again, in this case, libfdk-aac.slackbuild. And then there's a readme and a slack-desk or description. libfdk-aac.info has all the information you need about sort of where to get the source code and what the, whether there are any um, requirements for this package to work and what version you're about to install, who to maintain, who, who maintains it and who to contact if, if for whatever reason something's not working as expected. So that's the .info file. The readme file contains anything that the info cannot. So sometimes it's very simple, like a one line description of what you're about to install. In this case, that's, that's, that's what you have. In other cases, there may be steps that you have to take before installing this. Like maybe maybe the thing that you're about to install requires a specific user and group to exist on your system. It will tell you 
how to do that. Maybe, maybe there are optional requirements. Like strictly speaking, this will install as is. But hey, if you want to hook it into something else, then you could, you could have, you, you might be able to, you know, ha have that requirement and, and have it compile against that. So a good example of that, for instance, is color D, which I think is in the, no, I guess not. Maybe, yeah, color D system. Yep. So color D, if I cat the, well, certainly if I cat info on color D, I see that it's version 1.4.6. I see a link to the source code, MD5 sum, sum for that download. I've got a requirement of libgusb. Now I'm going to look at the readme. Well, that's quite a lot of reading here because it, it turns out that this requires a color D user group to be added. And it tells you that you can, you can make that happen by doing a group add G303 color D. And all of the group numbers, the group IDs and user IDs in Slack builds are, they're, they're filtered through the, the main, the maintainer team of Slack builds. So no readme in, within Slack builds will ever advise you to create a group ID that conflicts with another Slack build. So they're all, they're, it's, a bit, it's essentially a reservation system when you're, if you're developing a Slack build and you know that you need to create a group or a new user for an application, you contact the main, the, the admins and they issue you a, a, an ID. So in this case, it's pseudo, I guess, probably sbin group ad. No, user sbin group ad dash g303 color d. And then my password, except I have to type it correctly because Slackware is picky like that. Okay, perfect. And now sudo probably user sbin user add dash delta or d uh, var lib color d dash u303 dash g color d dash sbin false color d. Okay, so now a user and a group both exist for color D. Now I could continue uh, installing this thing. Uh, and then it also tells me that this package can optionally add bash completion support by running bash underscore completion equals yes, and then your your Slack build. So it's 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 advising you how to how to how to get extra features. Okay, so anyway, back to FDK or what is it? Library lib. FDK AAC. As I say, the README here is a lot less interesting than that. It's just a one-liner. It's lib FDK AAC is a standalone library of the Fraunhofer FDK AAC codec library from Android. So that's the library. And then the Slack description file, Slack-desk, is um, it's the it's the thing that you see in your in your log of packages to help you remember what the heck that thing is. So it's it's very much a file that you will never interact with directly. It is simply there to be packaged up with all of the other things that you're building here. And then of course there's the dot slack build file itself, lib fdk-aac.slack build. So you've got all of the the recipe components here or the the you've got all the you've got the whole recipe here. What you now need to do is gather your ingredients as it were and We've already kind of done that. We've downloaded the uh, source code, presumably, from the website. So I'm just going to do a move tilde slash downloads lib fdk aac star z and move it here with a dot. So now if I look at my at my directory listing, I've got all of the four standard files from a Slack build plus fdk-aac-2.0.2.0. Tar.gz. That's the source code. So you've assembled everything. You've got the recipe, which is split out into like four files, and then you've got the source code. And so to run it, you can do an sudo sh space dot slash libfdkaac.slackbuild, and away it goes. Now it processes, you know, it, it takes care of everything. It, it'll unarchive your source code. You won't see this happening. It, it happens in the temp directory. So it, it, it whisks all of that stuff away into some temporary directories, out of sight, out of mind. And when it finishes, it announces that it's done and that your package is now available in slash temp slash libfdk 
dash AAC dash 2.0.2, in my case, dash x86 underscore 64, indicating that the architecture is 64 bit, dash 1, indicating that this is the first build, underscore SBO, that's a tag telling Slackware that this comes from a specific repository, dot TGZ. So to install that, you do an ins, well, sudo slash sbin slash install pkg slash temp slash libfdk dash aac uh, star z. And that, of course, uses the install pkg system, which I've gone over before, to install the package. And, and once it's installed, which takes no time at all, you can do a less on slash var slash log slash packages slash libfdk dash aac blah. And, oh, there's the Slack description file just as one would expect at the top, it tells you exactly what's in this package, or, or rather it tells you exactly what this package is. And then under that, there is a file list that tells you exactly what's in this package. And it tells you that there's an install script, there's a user um, folder and a documentation folder within that and an include folder and some stuff in lib64 and so on. So that's, that's all the, all the components of you know, all the all the source code has been compiled into whatever it got, got compiled into, which actually it looks like it's mostly, yeah, a single library, a .so file, and then a bunch of header files put into include. And then, you know, again, there's documentation such as um, the specifications that come with the package and a change log and the, the Slack description file and so on. So there you go. That's the manual way of using Slack, uh, a Slack build. And if you think that sounds like it could get tedious after, I don't know, 20 installs, then you're right. That can get tedious. That would be a very, um, that could be a very potentially slow way to get new software onto your Slackware system. Because remember, I started this looking for FDK AAC and I haven't even installed that yet. That was just the dependency. That was lib FDK AAC. So now I, have, I still have to go back to FDK AAC and download that source code and that Slack build, move the source code into the Slack build directory, and then execute that and then install that. So yeah, this would be a very tedious way to do it. But that is literally, that's what's happening. Whether you automate that or not, that's the process. You grab the source code from wherever it already exists on the internet. You grab a recipe from slackbuilds.org you smush them together, you run them, and it produces a, a, a package that you can now install locally on your system. Now, I'm going to reveal to you the easy way to get all of this done, or actually a couple of different easy ways to get this done. But first, we're going to take a coffee break. <laughs> And we're back. You have coffee. I've got coffee. Let's do some more Slack building, this time with some automation involved. So people have been using Slack builds in, in sort of customary, in, in custom ways since, since forever, really. I, I don't, I don't feel like anyone ever really just relied exclusively on the website. I don't have data to support that. It's just kind of what I get a feeling from talking to other Slack build users. And there's a really um, healthy Slack builds mailing list, uh, Slack build users mailing list that you can join if you want to talk to other people. I mean, it's not like a social mailing list. It's it's a it's sort of a a place to to discuss like if you're having a failure, if if a script is failing to build or if it needs an update or something like that, then then you can subscribe to that. It's relatively low traffic, although it's hard for me to say that right now. Because for the past month, there have been hundreds of emails because, of course, we've all been rushing to update our scripts. So, um, and, and it's only taken, I, I should, I should point out, it's only taken about a month to get slackbuilds.org into, in sync or, or into compliance with Slackware 15.0, which I think is pretty darn impressive. That's 8,000, 8,000 plus packages in just a month to get right up with, in sync with 15.0. And I mean, you know, I will acknowledge that it could have happened faster. Certainly on my part, I could have done mine earlier. 
but I don't run 15.0 until 15.0 is out. And, and so I, I wasn't able to really update that many of my packages prior to the actual release. Um, but certainly that's something that I'm thinking about next time around, maybe getting a, just, a, just have a test system that's running a dash current and update the Slack builds sort of leading up to the release. If I forget about that, remind me in five or six years to, to, to keep that in mind. Okay. So people, can use the website. People tend not to use the website. Usually what people do is they just grab the whole repo of the whole, the whole repository of recipes, clone it to their local system, and then just run off of that local cache of recipes. That's a perfectly acceptable way of doing this. And you can do that using a bunch of different tools. You can use FTP, HTTP, get, CGIT, or rsync. I don't know why you would use FTP or CGIT. Well, or HTTP, I guess. I, I would think that you would use either GIT or rsync, but I guess there are probably use cases for all of those things. Either way, you can get the uh, the repository onto your computer, and the way that you d- do that is you either do uh, an rsync command or a GIT command or, or whatever. The, the path to the repository is slackbuilds.org slash repository slash 15.0 or whatever the release of your Slackware system is. You can find the release number of your Slackware system by doing a cat on on slash Etsy slash OS dash release. Version string is set to something or the version ID. Those really ought to be the same. I think almost always it's 15.0 in this case a month ago it was 14.2 and some other time in the future it'll be you know 15.1 or 16.0 or whatever but that's just that's the release number so as long as slack builds has is up to date then it'll have that it'll have that repository number available to you through over protocols including rsync, git, http, and so on. So I'm going to do that, I guess. Um, and I say I guess because I don't actually do it this way, but I'm going to go into how I do normally do it later, uh, very soon. So I'm going to do an rsync-av of slackbuilds.org slash slackbuilds slash 15.0 slash... So I'm including the trailing slash here, and then I'm going to do slash opt as my destination, slash opt slash slack builds. You could put your your repository of recipes anywhere. I've been putting it into slash opt lately simply because of my partitioning scheme. It just made sense for me to make that, that drive a, a home for my slack builds repository. Traditionally, I've actually put it into slash user slash ports. And you could also, I could, I could see you putting it into user local slack builds, you know, whatever path you think makes sense. I mean, heck, it could also just be in your home directory. It could be dot slack builds or it could be dot local slash user slash, uh, no, it would be dot local slash, I don't know, maybe slack builds or dot local slash share slash slack builds, whatever. Wouldn't really make sense as share though. But anyway, you can put it wherever you want to. That's the the important thing. And uh, no slash after your target because you want all of the directories within the repository to sort of be to be distributed into your your target. Or at least that's how I'm doing it. Uh, so you do that and you wait for however long you have to wait. I don't have to wait that long. I'm on fiber now, so I have the benefit of having a, a quite a fast connection right now. And it's about 282 megabytes is the size of this thing. That's a lot of um, text files. And it's separated, as you'll notice, maybe as it's cloning, separated into different categories. Academic, accessibility, audio, business, desktop, development, games, GIS, graphics, ham, Haskell, Haskell, libraries, miscellaneous, multimedia, network, office, Perl, Python, Ruby, and system. What's the difference between graphics and multimedia? What's the difference between audio and multimedia? What's the difference between business and, what is it, office? I don't know. I think the categories, as as I often think about categories, they, they just, they do my head in. I can never understand them, but I understand how they can be useful in some cases. So either way, they're all there, and if you want to search through them, of course, you could just do a find 
slash opt slash slack builds and then maybe i don't know i name quote asterisk um fd stop searching for that one uh let's do instead um maybe muse score yep it looks like there's a muse score build in the multimedia section not the audio section don't know why slash opt slash slack build slash multimedia slash muse score do an ls sure enough there's the do in, uh, there's the muse score dot info there's a muse score dot slack build there's a readme and a slack da- dash description and there's an additional little script here called do inst dot sh that's again not for you to run the only way you'll ever interact with a slack build recipe is you're going to run the slack build script that's it don't run any other script in the directory it's the, the one that you want is musescore.slackbuild. Do inst is something that you'll actually see pretty often. It is a post-installation script that Slackbuild knows to run after it does its things. So, or, or actually, I mean, more specifically, install pkg or upgrade pkg knows to run do inst.sh after it's installed a package. So you don't run it yourself. You just, you, you don't even, you don't interact with it at all. It'll get distributed where it needs to go. And if you, for instance, Come across, let's say, um, here's another one in multimedia called Flowblade. You do an ls on that, and you've got quite a bit more. You've got the standard files, so the .info, .slack build, readme, and the Slack desk. But then you also have an mlt7.patch. You have a 495a10.patch and a doinst.sh. So there are two patch files in there and the shell script. Neither of those are you going to interact with. Again, the only thing you'll ever interact with is the Slack build script. But in this case, in this, so, so this is, I guess, one way that everything's a little bit more automated, right? I mean, you, you at least have it locally and you can just kind of move into the directory structure yourself and look around. And maybe that's something that you like to do. You could cat the info file, get a link for the, the source code. So here's a link for this Flowblade package. And, oh, there's a, there's a requirement called MLT-bindings. So I guess I'd have to go back out into MLT bindings. I don't know where that is, so I'll have to do a find of opt slack builds dash. I guess I can just do name actually. So MLT dash bindings, and it tells me that's in libraries. So I can go back out, 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 back into libraries, back into MLT dash bindings. I guess I should have really done a push D so that I could get back here easily, but that's okay. So here's a new place that we're at. So I could do a cat of info, and it looks like there's a 7.4.0 MLT bindings package available. Requires readme, so I need to readme. So I'll do a cat of readme, and it's telling me that these bindings actually uh, are an add-on to the existing MLT framework included in Slackware 15.0, and it includes Perl, PHP, Python, and Ruby by default, or I can disable certain ones by passing little um, arguments or environment variables before building. Okay, so that's all good to know. And then I could build, I could do a, well, no, first, so first I would cat info again. I'd get a link to what I need to download exactly. And then I would do a wget of that link. I would let the source code download. And once it's downloaded, then I could do my sudo sh.slash mlt bindings dot slack builds and i would build it and then of course i would install it so that's 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 one level of making things quicker for yourself i guess but it's still pretty automated it's still pretty um, manual there is a far more automated version of this and i don't know if automated in this in this sense is exactly appropriate maybe the the correct term i should be using is just that it's less interactive in a way. Anyway, it's called sbopkg.org. So it is a play on something like package source, for instance, which I'm going to do an episode on next week. But it's a play on that sort of like that sense of there's packages, you have a, a port tree, as it were, or in this case, I guess a package tree, and you can interact with that package tree through a script that does a bunch of stuff for you because it's familiar already with this environment. SBOPKG is, is I think it was the, possibly the, well, I don't know. For me, it was the first tool to interface with Slack builds that I became aware of. I'm sure a lot of other people had their little shortcuts of their own. And 
And so I'm, I'm sure there were things out there, but this one to me became kind of the default one. And I think in a way, if slackbuilds.org is the unofficial official repository, no, the official unofficial repository, extras repository for Slackbuild, then SBO PKG feels kind of like the official unofficial front end to slackbuilds.org. And I say that very significantly. They're, they're really, it's not the official, this is, slackbuilds.org is not sbopkg.org, and sbopkg.org is not slackbuilds.org. It's important to understand that because very frequently, not very frequently, because if sbopkg fails to build a package or whatever, then, then you do need to debug sbopkg first. So you would want to, for instance, attempt a manual build of, of that package first before reporting that this, something is broken on slackbuilds.org. Because from slackbuilds.org's angle, from, from their point of view, I should say from our point of view, SBO, slackbuilds.org has not, that script has not broken. It, it builds fine as long as you do it correctly, manually, etc. SBOPKG maybe, maybe has, has failed in some way. Maybe there's a, a special requirement that it didn't account for or that it can't account for and so on. So there are, there is that separation and it's not just a separation of, well, it's technically not the same thing. It is, it is a separation because like literally SBOPKG or any automated tool can introduce errors that don't technically exist in the Slack build script. And I think that color D example would be a really, really good one because in the readme file, it does say before building this, you need a user and a group to exist for color D. And if you don't have that, then it's not going to work. And SBOPKG has no way of knowing that. It doesn't it doesn't know about the special clauses in a readme file. It also um, doesn't technically know about requirements. Although as it has developed over the years, there is there there's a pretty good allowance for for taking care of require of of dependencies within SBOPKG um, or or within automated tools, I should say. So SBOPKG is one of them. It's not the one that I use. Uh, I used to use it quite a lot, but then I there were just a couple of minor things about it that I didn't love, and they were trivial and probably very easy to change. And for whatever reason, I just felt like the correct answer was to write my own solution. I don't know if that was the correct answer. That that may have been that may have not been the correct answer. I, maybe I should have just patched SBOPKG to my liking. And I still might. That is still on the table for me. I may just do that at some point. But there were a lot of features in SBOPKG that I don't need or use. And so I and, and sort of the workflow wasn't exactly what I wanted although it could have been, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. And so I did, I, I ended up just writing it myself. And the, the two workflow features that I wanted were, I wanted to be able to move into the Slack build, the, the package tree myself. And then I wanted to be able to say, go into a, into a package directory. And I wanted to read both. I wanted to see both the readme and the info file together. And that was a feature that I just didn't feel like SBOPKG exactly supplied. And I also wanted the workflow of being able to, to, to issue a, a command about a package by specifying the current directory. So I wanted to be able to say, um, something, something install dot, like I'm here. I don't want to have to type out the whole location. I just want you to know, tool, that I want you to install the the thing that is in the current directory. So I, I wrote a tool around that, and it's called Sport, or Slack Port, Sport for short. And Sport does that. It, it sort of approaches this as if though it was, at least in my mind, uh, is more like a, a workflow that I would use for package source or on BSD, the, the port system on BSD. Whether or not, this is, these are really trivial differences, and I highly recommend SBOPKG. It's a very good application. It's very robust, has lots of different systems now. It's developed by a lot of different people over several years now, and it's, it's a very, very good option. There's also SBOUI, which is a sort of, uh, let's call it kind of like a, a synaptic, um, view of 
Slack build. So if you've ever used the Synaptic package uh, managing front end on on Debian is where I've seen it. Or or even what is it? Um, not what is it? Dra- uh, drag 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 Drake. I don't know. Whatever it is on on like Magia, and I think they had it for a while on on Fedora. There are front ends, little, little GUI front ends. Of course, SBO UI is an incurses front end. So yes, it's a, a GUI, but it's it's more I guess a TUI. It's it's all within the terminal, but it, it does give you a different view of your of of sort of the packages, and it let, lets you go through and and activate certain ones that you want, and so on. So it, that's a really nice one to check out as well. SBO UI is available from Slack builds itself. So you and as is SBOPKG, I think I should probably verify that now that I've said it. So I'm going to do a find on... Well, actually, I'm not going to do a find. I'm going to do a user sbin sport search, or just S for short, uh, for SBOPKG. And it doesn't look like that is available, interestingly. SBOUI is, but not SBOPKG. I'm very surprised to hear that. Maybe they just want to, again, kind of distance themselves. Anyway, if you go to SBOPKG.org, go to the Downloads tab on the far right of that um, page, there's a 0.38.2. You can just download the package or the source and then install it as as a Slack build, essentially. So those are two great options. The other, you know, option, I'm not going to call it great, is Slackport, is Slackport or Sport, as I call it. And that is uh, gitlab.com slash Slackport slash something, probably Slackport again. No, Sport, okay. So that's uh, gitlab.com slash slackport slash sport. You can get the Slack, the, the latest sport release from there. Now, Slackport traditionally has been pretty straightforward. I mean, I think it's still pretty straightforward, but um, it, it, it kind of toes the line between being a DNF alike and a package source alike. So you can use it in either, either way that you want. And in this case, I guess uh, I'll do... I'll do a Slack build. Well, okay, so to do it as a package source, you would just go to cd slash opt slash Slack builds or wherever you have your repository downloaded to. And you would go into the package that you want to to install. Now, if you don't know where that package is, you can do a search. That would be sudo or uh, rather user sbin sport search or just s for short. And then whatever you're, it is you're searching for. Let's do color D, for instance. So I've just searched for color D. It gives me a couple of different results. And it looks like the one that I'm really looking for is Slack build slash system slash color D. So I'll go into that directory now. So I'm going to CD into system color D, do an LS. Everything's here. I could read the readme file, find out any of my options. That looks pretty good. And if I'm happy with what I see and I'm ready to install, I've already done the group add and user add previously. So I'm going to do a sudo bash underscore completion equals yes, space dot slash color. No, sorry, um, I forgot what I was doing. So sudo space bash underscore completion equals yes, and then sport install, or just I for short, dot. And then I can hit return. And that does everything for me. It, it downloads the source code to the current directory. It untars the, well, and then it runs the Slack build, which untars the source it builds the package, and because I said install, it will automatically install the package at the end. So that's the kind of manual automated way. If you're even lazier and you don't even want to do that, you can use Sport from anywhere on your system because Sport does have a configuration file. The configuration file is located in slash etsy slash sport.conf, and there are a couple of different things you need to tell it. You need to tell it where your SBO path is, so in my case, that's slash opt slash slack builds. Again, I'm not recommending slash opt for your slack builds necessarily. Uh, I'm just saying that that's an option. So SBO path equals uh, slash opt slash slack builds. That's good. Repos equals SBO path or slash opt slash slack builds. Uh, that's a feature um, that I'll talk about in a moment. So SBO path and repos are, have, have been set. And then I need to set the master branch. So that's defined as master equals 
rsync colon slash slash slack builds dot org slash slack builds slash 15.0 slash. There's also a little bit of an additional feature here. You can do a make opts equals. Uh, in my case, I have a dash J11. So whenever I make something with sport, it uses 11 cores of my 12 core system, which is quite nice. And then I can also set a different wget executable. By default, wget is the wget executable. But I have ARIA2C installed, which is one of those downloaders that, that downloads packages through separate threads. So it very often speeds up the download. That's not all that useful necessarily on a fiber connection, uh, especially when you're just downloading source code. But I mean, why not, right? You, you, if, if you if you got it, you might as well. So I have wget set to user bin ARIA2C space dash x4 so that that makes sure that i get everything even faster than i than i ought to get okay so with that set now sport knows where your repository is so you can do things like sudo user bin sport uh search for uh let's search for i guess flowblade because that's top of mind right now and there it is there's a there's a flowblade that exists well that's good to hear so now let's do a sudo sport cat C for short, Flowblade. And that shows me the readme file. Well, the info file and the readme file. I feel like the info file is most important because there's that requirement, MLT-bindings. And then the readme is important because sometimes there are optional uh, dependencies, which in Flowblade's case, there are actually. You can also install SWH-plugins, CAF, and any other Jack-compatible plugin and Jack itself. So, oh, and Gmic. So all of those are additional optional things that you don't necessarily have to install, but you could if you wanted extra features. Well, as of this newest, latest release, Sport, I don't know, 0 0.22 or whatever I called this one. Yep, 0, .0 0.0.22. As of this new release, um, I've integrated a feature um, that my friend IceCream95 wrote, which resolves dependencies for you. So if you really, really want to just do a one one command install, you can do that if I could remember how to. So I'll do a sport dash H to refresh my own memory. And it looks like it's a dash dash all. So I'm going to do a sudo user spin sport install install dash dash all flowblade. And sport, knowing where my repository is located, goes to flowblade. The, the, the directory. It looks at the info file and searches the requires line. It finds the requirement of MLT-binding and it goes, it adds that to the stack and then it installs MLT-bindings and then Flowblade. Now, notably, and this is a design, this is how Slack builds is designed. Notably, if there are optional dependencies, then the then this automated tool does not get those automated dependencies because there's no standardized way of 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 listing optional dependencies there just isn't in slackbuilds.org it's been a discussion on the mailing list agree or disagree is just not a standardized way of doing that so um if if you're even if you're using sport or sbopkg or any other tool if there are optional dependencies in the readme file those are going to be pretty much up to you to um to install separately. However, for all of the absolutely required dependencies that are listed in the .info file, Sport can install those, and the dependencies of those, and the dependencies of those, and then it'll install the thing that you need. Now, I'll admit, I do not tend to use that feature myself, at least not without rigorous investigation first. And I, and I, I do that, or I don't do that, because I just want to know what my options are before just saying to install a thing and everything underneath it. That to me is not leveraging Slack build, the, the advantage of Slack builds all that well. Um, and so I would prefer to find out what my optional dependencies are, maybe install them, maybe install them with yet extra options turned on on those. And, and then I continue from there. So the dependency resolution is an option, but it's more of an option uh, on, uh, it's, it's more of an easy way to build a queue file than, than it is, I think, a way to, to actually install packages. Um, and this, again, is a feature of Slack builds for me. This is the, 
the flexibility of Slack builds, and, and it's not something that I'm willing, or I think any Slack build user is willing to give up. The, the 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 idea that the repository has just sort of a baked in set of recommended installation features, and there's no way around, there's no easy way around that. That's not what Slack builds is all about. It is much more about you understanding what you're installing and in understanding what features you have activated or deactivated and and sort of building up your system that way. It's a really important feature. I, I, I highly recommend sort of taking advantage of that. When you're installing something, take a look at the readme. See what your options are. See what else you can integrate with the thing that you're installing. You might be building something a lot better than you could build over on another distribution because maybe the the little, that one option that nobody thought you needed maybe that's the option that you want to activate in the application. I mean, there's a in a way there's an example with MLT binding and bindings itself. MLT bindings wherever that was. I guess I'll do a sport search MLT. I think it was it must have been libraries, right? Yes, it was. Okay, so I'm gonna go to uh, I'm gonna cd into opt slack builds libraries mlt bindings mlt bindings is a package that i've uh, that i added this time around it didn't exist for 14.2 and that's because slackware as of 15.0 decided to start shipping the mlt framework which which is crazy it's never had something like that before and and now it does and that means that you get things like kdn live included by default with slackware never thought i would see the day and FFmpeg as well. So you have these multimedia packages by default within Slackware, but for whatever reason, the MLT framework install, the one that Pat ran when when assembling the disk, um, it doesn't build the MLT bindings or the um, the like Python bindings and Perl bindings and PHP bindings, Ruby bindings. So applications that use the the MLT sort of API don't run. They can't run on Slackware out of the box. But because of the Slack build system, it's, it's really trivial to add in those API hooks because you can, you can build my MLT bindings package, which ignores everything that Slackware already has and just copies the the extra bindings that Slackware didn't build by default into the correct place. So that's that. I mean, you know, I mean, I know other distributions can do the same thing. I mean, it's not. This isn't something that you just can't do outside of Slackware. I'm simply saying that that kind of flexibility really fosters a lot of modularity. And even with Flowblade, for instance, I mean, if I want to install GMic or some cool Jack plugins, then I can do that. And if I want to activate, um, you know, compatibility with, I don't know, a certain codec that no one else ever thinks would be useful, but for whatever reason I happen to need on a daily basis, then I can do that and so on. So Slack builds, the, the fact that you're just given the recipe is a huge, huge bonus that you should take advantage of. Take a look at the options in in that you know in an application's C make lists or or auto tools configure uh, script you know dot slash configure take a look at the options see what what's not being turned on in that recipe and what you might want to turn on for whatever reason and um, yeah it, it makes the customization really I think a lot easier than than I think other systems make it that's the advantage of slackbuilds.org and of slackbuilds itself now there are other sources of applications i don't want to make it seem like the only source of slackbuilds or rather packages for slackware is slackbuilds that's a little bit of a a misunderstanding as well i think that's kind of common right now people don't understand where to go for extra packages and then maybe once they hear about slackbuilds they assume that that's the only place to go and then worse yet, they assume that the only gateway into Slack builds is the website. Um, so now you know that the website is just kind of there as kind of the, the landing page. But what I think, I think the, the easier way is to interface with it through sport or SBOPKG or SBOUI or whatever tool you happen to find out, out there. Or maybe it's your own tool, you know, like for a while for test, while I was testing Slack builds, I, I wrote a really quick, silly little script called sbget. Where is that? sbget. It, it's a horribly deficient script, um, and I, I, maybe someday I'll, I'll improve it. 
but it just looks through the .info file of my current directory and downloads the whatever link is linked in the download um, line. And I, I was too lazy to figure out a good way to make it download, you know, to sort of fall back. If, if one is empty, then fall back to the other, that sort of thing. Because there's a download and there's a download 64. So then if I know that I need the 64-bit version specifically, then I'll do a dash dash 64. But, and it's just a, it, it cut down the time of my Slack building just during that test phase so much because I didn't have to go and cat info and copy the link and then W get the link. Or I didn't have to type out a big long command like W get the results of a grep of the download thing, but cutting between the, the, um, quotation marks and so on. It was just a one quick command and it got the source code and then I was able to run the, the script. So maybe it's just some kind of assortment of, of your own little shortcut scripts. Who knows? There's no right or wrong call here. It's just whatever works best for you, which again, that's the advantage, right? So um, there is that, but but there are other places. And a lot of those other places you just kind of have to find out about, unfortunately. That's just kind of, I think, the way that it works. I mean, there's slacky.eu. That's S-L-A-C-K-Y dot E-U. That's got a repository of a bunch of binary packages that you could download and install. That's a great one. It's been around for, I don't know, maybe forever. Uh, there's Alien Bob, who is a, a member of the Slackware team, and he's got a bunch of builds for, I, I've mentioned him before because he does the multi-lib and he does the K, the K-Town, the, the KDE, updating KDE. So um, Alien Bob, if you go to slackware.com slash tilde slash no, sorry, slackware.com slash tilde alien slash slack builds, you'll find a repository of a bunch of his personal builds, just stuff, you know, mostly I think binary. I say mostly. Does he also have, oh, he has the build scripts and everything. Yeah, that makes sense. So he's got the build scripts here as well, but I mean, he also actually offers the PKG and PKG64 versions where he's already built the thing. So let's say you need Ghostwriter. That's apparently a, a thing that exists. And if you go to Slackbuilds or yeah, Slackware.com tilde alien Slackbuilds, Ghostwriter slash package 64 slash 15.0, there's his stuff. He's got the, the TXZ package of Ghostwriter 1.8.1. I'm assuming it's like a text editor, probably. I think I've heard of it. Sounds really familiar. Um, or, or you could do that same thing for VLC for handbrake for a bunch of stuff just random stuff it's all here um oh and linux sampler i didn't know he had a linux sampler i do I, i've got some slack builds for linux sampler related things but not not for linux sampler itself someone else does um oh yeah he's got a build for that that's cool so anyway yeah there, there are other sources it's just you kind of have to amass your collection of trusted sources and you know like i say that can always be a little bit of it can take a little bit of work because you have to find out about them. You have to establish your comfort level of just downloading stuff from random websites, which, you know, can be a little bit dicey. But, um, oh, yeah, there's only Slack as well. Only, or is it Slack only or only Slack? Slack only. It's got to be slackonly.com. Yep. Slackonly.com has a bunch of binary builds. In fact, it takes everything on slackbuilds.org and builds them. So you have, you have binary, you have pre-built everything from from slackbuilds.org. It does not look like it is currently up to date with 15.0, which is not surprising because as of this recording, 15.0 Slack build just got released like two days ago. So it'll probably take him the, the, the that website a little bit of time to build that back up, but uh, that's another resource. So lots of different resources for lots of different packages. You just have to find them, build up your little, um, your, your, your list of, of of places to go and and you can install applications from all over. And of course none of this is even haven't even touched on RPM to TGZ, which is yet another method of installing Slackware packages. And and that I mean I, I know I'm kind of running out of time here, but if you go to um, for instance a Fedora website, uh, a repository, and I think Fedora as of this recording is like let's say up to 35 version 35. Well, right now we might be able to get away with, no, probably not, honestly. So Fedora very, very much pushes the edge of the envelope. Like they, they really keep things 
very, very up to date. So I find usually that that's not the best policy to to get there late. The the latest for Fedora is is years ahead of Slackware. So what I usually do is I I, I look at whatever their latest release is, which apparently is thirty five as of this recording, and then I go back a couple of versions. So maybe maybe thirty three feels pretty good right now. So if I go into 33 and I look around at the everything directory in x86-64 for my particular use case, I'll go into ISO. Nope, that was the wrong choice. How about if I go into OS instead? Yep, that looks like the right choice. Packages, there we go. Here's a list of all the packages by number and by by alphabet. So let's pretend like I wanted to install... Um, Pandoc. So I'll go into the P section for for that, and then in, in here's Pandoc dash common, Pand oh Pandoc 2.9. So that looks like a thing. So I could I could download that script, not script, sorry, that RPM package. Download that to my downloads folder, Pandoc, and then open a terminal. Go into downloads. And sudo rpm dot, uh, rpm2, that's the number, to tgz, and then pandoc dash blah blah blah. And that transforms the rpm into a Slackware package ending in dot tgz. In this particular case, it looks like it actually, it could work. Because this looks like it's a statically linked pandoc to me. I don't see any extra fancy uh, libraries or anything like that bundled with this, so this could actually just work. Um, there were some other pandoc packages here, pandoc-pdf, pandoc-common, pandoc-siteproc, so I would probably also want to install those, because I'm assuming those probably contain dependencies, soft dependencies maybe, for that pandoc, but but that's done. Now that that's finished. That that's a package now. And I could install that with install pkg and then I would have pandoc on my Slackware system just just from borrowing from Fedora. It's a really really useful trick. Um so this between Slack builds and other random repositories there are so many ways to get more applications on your Slackware and they don't involve necessarily going to Slack builds downloading the Slack build file and downloading the source code and then untarring one and then moving the other into the other and then running the script and then running installs pkg into slash temp. That's too much for anybody to handle. Don't do that. Grab the repository to your local system and use a nice front end for slackbuilds.org like sport or sbopkg or sboui and then also just get familiar with other other systems or other locations for packages and I'll, I'll definitely put links into the show notes just for for reference but um you know build up your own as well and and there is a um a system that I'm, i should talk about at some point in the future called slack pkg plus which is a package management system to allow you to install binary packages from other locations that's kind of crazy i do not use it but um i could see someone using it and being happy with it i mean i've used it on a system before like a test system and i wasn't unhappy with it so it is useful um, i just happen not to use it actively anyway lots of options it's actually really easy um, and I think for the flexibility that you get, it is shockingly easy. Like the payoff between how much work you have to put out for the flexibility you get, I think it's pretty amazing. So I hope that's helped. I hope that's clarified up some of the confusion that some people have over how does Slackware manages packages and that sort of thing. I've talked about a lot of this before, like install PKG and remove PKG and upgrade PKG and all those other, other uh, those other tools. But this has been, I think, more of a workflow thing, and it's been about the extras repository that, that we just don't, we're not talking about otherwise as we go through every single package that's in Slackware on this show. So hopefully that gives you more options for more applications. Thanks very much for listening. I will talk to you next time for Package Source. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. 
can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not Klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted. Until next time, thanks for listening, and keep the source open. Surprises.